Hello and welcome back to the Wellness Embodied Collective podcast. I'm your host, Sydney Campbell, and today's episode is part two of my interview with Dr. Kate Pate. If you haven't heard part one from last week, make sure you go check that out. Today we're talking a little bit about inner child work and the practice of compassion in your daily life, and she has some incredible experiences and I'm so glad I got to share with you guys. Starting next week, we will have additions in our wellness library led by my co-director, Mary Rose, and she will actually be joining me as a co-host on the podcast going forward. So you can expect to hear from her in coming episodes. I'm so excited for her to share with you some of her stories and her experience. She's an incredible addition to the team here at Wellness Embodied Collective, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear what she has to say and to see uh, what she's providing to the wellness library. You'll be able to access it on our website. You can find links in the description of the episode. You'll find links to everything you need to find, starting with our website, Dr. Kate Pate's Instagram, our social media pages, as well as our GoFundMe. Still collecting donations through the GoFundMe, and all of those proceeds are going to fund mental health care costs to applicants through our program that we're partnering with BetterHelp. So we will help provide people with access to a licensed counselor through BetterHelp. You can find more information at the GoFundMe or on our website or check us out on Instagram, Facebook. You will be able to find us and you'll be able to contact us there. Again, I mentioned this last week, the audio in this episode is a little bit off. We had some technical difficulties getting started. Um, I cleaned it up as much as I could, so hopefully that's not too distracting. But uh, this episode, there's a ton of value in what Kate has to say. So I hope you enjoy this episode and we will go ahead and get right into it. I also wanted to talk to you a little bit about inner child work and and some of the stuff that I heard you mention when you were uh, chatting with Rick. and. It's something that I honestly could talk about like nothing but inner child work for the rest of my life. It's just be totally <laughs> fascinated. I love everything that has to do with this. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience with either doing inner child work yourself or seeing, you know, people do it alongside you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the, the way I kind of stumbled into it as part of my own healing journey And I didn't even really know about it as a thing. It was just something that kind of spontaneously happened that I found to be really helpful. But um, I guess I'll preface this by saying, especially when we were talking about, you know, the military and veteran populations, people experience traumatic things throughout the continuum of life. And for people who have, you know, come from a service background, military experience although can be traumatic for many people and for various reasons, most people don't first experience trauma during the military, their military careers. They're, they're fully formed adults with 18, at least eight, 17, 18 years of life before they even, you know, join the military. And for most of us, some of the most traumatic times in our lives were actually in, in childhood. And that is to say that there's a lot that we, you know, as adults, we're, we have accumulated over the years and that have led us to where we are today. 
And sometimes the things that we deal with as adults, be it addiction or depression or PTSD or something like that comes from its prior experience that we've collected. And sometimes it happens to go back to childhood. And even if you had more focal trauma later in life, there are things that I think that we can all look to in our childhood where even if you have the most incredible family unit, the most incredible parents who loved you to death, there are still things that you feel like you didn't receive. And there are still things that weren't perfect from your experiential perspective. And no one's needs can be met 100% of the time. And in childhood, you know, especially when we can't express ourselves appropriately or say what we need in a coherent way or in a, in a very clear way, because we don't even know. I mean, there are things that happen where no matter how good it is, you're still going to have um, some things that were lacking. And that even though it might seem minimal, when some people look back on their childhood, they're like, oh, it was totally fine. I don't know why I'm, you know, dealing with this shit as an, as an adult. If you really take a look at it, I think that you'll see some stuff there that um, is just, you know, maybe not major, but something that you can, you can identify. For me as an adult, um, you know, I had, there are certain things in childhood that were extremely challenging for me and, um, and difficult but as an adult looking back, it was like, well, I don't know what I have to complain about because, you know, my parents did their best and they loved us a lot, you know, and it's like, well, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be struggling so much because of these, you know, I feel like I had it pretty good compared to a lot of other people. And um, so as I was moving into adulthood and I was dealing with, I coped with a lot of difficult emotions in pretty negative ways. For me, I coped with alcohol. It was a very potent um, drug of choice for me where, you know, it's just a sledgehammer for my feelings. It was like, I don't want to feel this. And it's very effective to just go drink that away. And um, often that would result in more trauma because you do stupid shit when you're drunk and you put yourself in really stupid situations when you're drunk. So it kind of made things worse for me. I also coped with, um, with food and developed an eating disorder, uh, pretty severe for a lot of years. And it was pre and it, it kind of changed, but it was always disordered eating. My, my relationship with food was, was not healthy and it swung from one end of the spectrum to the other over time. And, um, that was also really effective, but as an adult and somebody who was, you know, really well accomplished in my career and, seemingly well-adjusted on the outside and anybody looking into my life would be like, she's totally fine. Like she's, she's great. She's thriving. She's doing really well in life. But the truth was I felt like dying. I, I was not happy. I was depressed. I put on a good face. I was able to show up and push out this image of who Kate Pate is as an adult, you know, person, but that wasn't really reflective of my inner state. And I struggled for so long with that because it was like, I don't understand why I feel this way. Like, why am I, the, the question that I think many of us have asked ourselves is, is literally like, why am I so fucked up? And I didn't understand where it came from. And I've, I've had head trauma in the past and multiple head injuries and different things like that. And I was like, man, did I just, 
Is it my brain trauma? Like, is it my childhood trauma? Like what is going on? And, you know, everybody wants to solve it. It's like, why am I this way? And ultimately, I don't know that we have to answer that question and pinpoint it on any one thing. And the truth is it's lots of things that get us to where we are as adults. But one of the things I, I found was that the shame and the judgment about myself and that, you know, me calling myself fucked up and why am I broken or why are things this way um, really created a separation within myself. So it was like, I was no longer identifying with my, myself, with my body, with who I was as a spiritual being. It was like, my ego was running the show and doing everything to protect me from being hurt, which only made more pain and trauma in my life. But I was like, there was this real internal schism in me that I just felt cut off from myself. And it was so strange. And in order to try to understand that, I started exploring lots of different healing modalities of like what, you know, meditation was one of them. Um, and it helped me get in touch with certain parts of myself, but there was like this blockage. Like I couldn't identify when I was noticing old family photos, I couldn't identify with the, like the little girl, you know, like the little me. And she seemed like some foreign person or some foreign thing. And, um, and I was like, whoa, that's really weird that I'm so cut off from myself and especially my younger self that I can't even like feel it. And so one day, and this is going to sound super hippie, and I, but I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> so one day I um, was looking through old photos and I came across a picture of me as a little girl. And I had some sort of reaction to it where I just couldn't put it down. And I was just staring at it and trying to feel something. And all of a sudden I just started bawling. I was like, like just floodgates opened and I felt sorry for her. It was like, I didn't feel the connection with me yet, but it was like, I thought about her and the things she went through and the things that she didn't get and how she was alone. And, you know, all of these different things that she was feeling. And it was almost like, I was thinking about it as if it were like my child and how awful it would be for this little tiny human to go through all of those challenging things in life. And it made me sad. And that's why I was crying. But it was also like, it, if I could go back in time and like comfort her and, and like be, show up and be there and be what she needed, like I know how to do that. I know what she didn't get and I know what she needed. And then it like hit me. It was like, holy shit, like that's me. And I am the only person who knows what I need or what I needed back then. And can I, can I show up for myself in a way where as an adult, I can kind of, you know, think about that being that little girl and going, you know, thinking about what I would do to help her or to, to be there for her. And that, that inner work, that inner child work kind of led me to this place of realizing that I can, I can't go back and change the past, but I can continue to show up for myself in the way that I need today. And I know that sounds weird to like show up for yourself, but um, 
it really helped me engage with like my physical body and my spiritual person today, you know, how do I integrate all of that? And how do I like take care of this, all of it, you know, and, and, and be, um, like what, what I need as a, as a human adult. So that's kind of like what led me into this discovery of, man, I think a lot of people are probably cut off from themselves, but probably can't identify or feel connection to the, their own like little kiddo, their inner, inner kiddo. And that little inner kiddo who, you know, if you think about it as someone like as a, your kid or someone else's kid, and you think about all the things that happened to them, it would probably make you sad and want to show up and hold them and comfort them and take care of them and be what they need. And it's like, can you, can we all as adults look at that and then recognize that that's still us and that we can show up for ourselves. And I think repairing that connection with ourselves is major not only for our own healing, but it enables us to recognize that in everyone else too. And it, it helps us show up for everybody else as well, because at the end of the day, we're all those little kids, you know? And I think that that is really hard for people to grasp. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, my family members, I've talked to them. I come from a family where there's a long line of abuse and on both sides, men, women, childhood abuse, just, just, it just is what it is. And, um, I think a lot of people in their families have experienced similar things. And, um, for people in my family, when I've had these conversations with them, they're like, I can't identify with that person at all. That little kid, like, I really can't, I don't remember the last time I felt him or felt her or connected with that, but it's gone. And, and my thought is like, it's not gone. It's still that like, you're still that that little kid is still there. And it's accessible, but a lot of us have, have separated mm -hmm. from it and buried it and it, and we've done it out of protection, but, um, yeah, so that's kind of a <laughs> little answer, but yeah, that is honestly beautiful. And it's something that I, I, I totally resonate with that feeling of once you connect with that, there's a very significant shadow of a person for everybody I feel like every everybody has probably several and and the, I've heard a couple of people define it as like a little t trauma mm -hmm. as opposed to like a big t trauma where it doesn't feel like a significant trauma for yeah. you but there was something that was impactful yeah. and it kind of fractures off a tiny part of who you are at that moment and that person's preserved mm -hmm. there and I feel like for most people, there is a, like one very significant moment in all those childhood traumas or lifelong traumas that stand out the most. And it's that very significant one that's, once you unlock that one and you get back in touch with that person, mm -hmm. all the rest starts to kind of almost like I think of it like a camera trick where it almost like comes into yeah. focus very quickly yeah. and the biggest part of inner child work that I kind of picked up on while doing this I, I had a, a similar kind of like moment where I got back in touch with a version of me from I 
I think it was my junior year of high school. And it was the first time a friend had said, are you okay? You seem depressed. Wow. And I remember exactly where I was sitting. And there was a time during an EMDR session where I was back there with myself mm-hmm. and getting back in touch with that moment. There was a, there was a connection that I made where I voiced something about my parents. My parents are still together. We have a great dynamic between our whole family. And I had this moment where I was like a little bit pissed at my parents. And I was like, well, what does this mean for, for them, for my relationship with them? And the, my facilitator asked me, she's like, well, start thinking about that. And I had this little rabbit hole that I followed where it kind of led me to this conclusion that like, I feel like as kids, we have a very different perspective of our parents than we do any other people in the world. And as an adult, when you're going back and doing inner child work, there's a moment where you have to recognize that your parents are just people too. And they had kids and they started raising their kids with the tools they had, with the experience they had. And it maybe wasn't perfect. It doesn't mean that they did a bad job Mm -hmm. or that they were bad parents. You know, if you, if you're one of those people and you're like, I don't have any traumas in my family, you know, I wasn't abused. I wasn't neglected. My parents are together and Mm. there was nothing wrong. There didn't have to be something wrong. You know, there's, there are people and they had experiences and they did their best. And I, I truly think that it's very rare for somebody to intentionally maliciously fuck up your life. Mm-hmm. People are generally trying to do what they can and to do their best with what they have. And it's no different for parents. And so that's something that I made that connection. And um, after that, I, I started to kind of slowly dip my toes into a little more inner, uh, more of that inner child work. And it, it brought me to some places that I never expected, but it helped me understand so much about the person that I am now and why. And I, it's something that I encourage people to look into because, you know, you can sit here and go, I had a perfect mm-hmm. family, or you can sit here and go, I definitely did not <laughs> have a perfect family. And I'm a little scared to try this. It's, it's something that I think if more adults took the time and intentionally connected with their inner child, we'd have a lot more compassion in the world. Yeah. And I think a lot more understanding of each other and of where people mm-hmm. are at and, and the differences that we have, because everybody's so unique and we all have, there's one thing that we can all relate to. And it's that we've all had moments where we're miserable, everybody. And you have to be able to tap into that and understand like how to, how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of that is, is going through that inner child work. I remember the first time I heard it was, was on Rick's show. And I was like, hang on a second. And I rewound and I went to listen to it again. And I was like, we're going to look into this a little bit more. Yeah. And, and it was definitely one of the most impactful things that I've done for my healing journey, for my mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's something I want more people to be able to learn about. Absolutely. And I think it helps people learn how to forgive other people for not, whether it's a parent or otherwise, for not showing up in the way that they needed. Um, because 
the truth is that we're all just doing the best that we can with the tools that we have. And our parents, you're right. I mean, there are parents and other people, they're all people and they all had to deal with shit as children too. And where were they stuck in their cycle of growth and development because something happened to them and here they are a full grown adult, but in a lot of ways, maybe very emotionally stunted and they don't have a lot of tools in their toolbox. And so when they lash out or they withhold, they're trying to take care of themselves. And sometimes that doesn't allow them to show up for other people in the way that that other person needs, but they're trying their best. You know, everybody is trying to do the best that they can. And I think that can help when you recognize that in yourself and it, it just helps the process of like, man, you know, I, I not only forgive them, but I have compassion for the things that they're dealing with or the things that they went through. And that can be really powerful and really healing. And, um, I have an experience of that when I was in high school, my family moved a lot and we were constantly changing schools growing up. And then we moved across the country from Florida to Texas in high school. And I was halfway through my freshman year and that's a terrible time to move. Cause when I was young, you're the new kid and everybody thinks you're cool and exciting and interesting, but in high school, nobody gives a shit. So, you know, here, here I am moving halfway through my freshman year and I get to this huge school and nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit about the new kid. Nobody talks to me. Um, I was very like, people were actually like actively rude. And it was a really tough time for me because I was always used to having a good group of friends and being in sports. And I didn't have that when I transferred halfway through the year. And I just spent the whole, that whole second semester alone and miserable and honestly kind of hating the kids that I went to school with. I was like, you guys are entitled assholes. Like, I don't like any of you. And it wasn't helpful for me. And I was noticing that I was becoming this like person that I didn't identify with. I'm like, who am I? And in order to like, not hate these kids, I started looking at them as like, I thought about them as little kids. And I thought about them as like, like in the cute, like in a cute way, it was like, well, I bet that this was like, this was probably like a really sweet little kid at some point. He's a dick now, but he was probably like a really sweet little kid at some point. And in order to not hate the adult version of him, I thought about that. And, and so I would go through my day and it would actually make me smile a lot. And I would come up with these stories about these people and like their cute little kidness and whatever. Um, but it, it helped me like, look at them differently and soften. And it actually was like helpful in, in even keeping me willing to like engage with them when the opportunity did present itself, which it did later in the, in the semester. But um, so it's just like one way to like use that, not only your own inner kid work, but to think about other human beings. Like we, are a product of our, our genes, but more, more than that even is our environment. And you don't know what people experienced and why they became the way that they are, but maybe have some compassion for that. And maybe that asshole was always bullied and maybe feel, you know, have, have some compassion for that. So um, again, there are people out there who just genuinely suck. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, like that you need to like spend extra time um, trying to get to the bottom of it or anything like that, but you can always, you can be kind, you know, to people and 
until there's a reason not to be. But I think that, I think that genuinely Mm -hmm. like having compassion for people goes a long way. And there are going to be people you encounter where you're just like, I don't have the capacity to have compassion for this person right now. And that's fine. You're human too. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's such a fun strategy. (laughs) I never thought of that because you're totally right. You know, every, no, no person is born being a dick because that's impossible. You know, you have a baby who doesn't know anything. And so I, you know, it's very easy, very easy. Anybody would agree that it's very easy to get caught up in how you feel at the moment towards a certain person. I used Mm -hmm. to get the weirdest, like passive aggressive road rage, especially when I was driving to work, when I was working on base and you know, it was like, I I used to drive to school. I wouldn't drive in the middle of rush hour. You know, that's something that I encountered later. And I started to notice, I was like, because we're all going to the same place. 90% of the traffic was going directly towards right path. And I was like, why are you all driving so horribly? Like we're all trying to get here. And I would get just absolutely fired up and I wouldn't drive any like worse I wouldn't actually drive like I had road rage but I'd be sitting here and I'd be like at the people next to me and at some point I I did this thing I was like why am I so mad they don't know me like they're not driving to piss me off and I started to kind of I did this almost the same thing where I'm like oh like what's this person mad about today? And I would totally like, okay, here's how their morning went. And you kind of like make up a story. Like here's, here's what this person is going through. But it's, it's something where like, oh gosh, I just saw it this morning. It was, it was a post on Instagram where a person said, uh, here's like some, how I deal with things that annoy me about living in a big city. And one of them was um, the sound of sirens, like ambulances or fire trucks or something. And they'd feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so annoyed. Like these are so loud. And I can relate to that. I live right next to a fire station and I hear these sirens all the time. And this person wrote, instead of feeling how annoyed I am, I think about all the times I've needed an ambulance Mm -hmm. or needed a fire truck or a police officer and how grateful I was to hear those sirens. And instead of feeling annoyed, I'll just wish them well. Be like, I hope that you get the help that you need because somebody called that truck, you know? And I think that that's, that's a touch of compassion that is a little bit unique where it's not just being in person and being talking to somebody and exercising compassion towards a person that's in front of you. Mm -hmm. It's about giving that compassion out for free to anyone and everyone Mm -hmm. with no expectations about how it'll be received. Right. This person doesn't know that I'm wishing them well. That's for me. That's for my processing. That's for me to not lose my shit right. and cut you off that you just cut me off. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a side of compassion that I feel like I'm going to challenge anybody who listens to, to do that next time that something like pisses you off about like a stranger or, you know, wh- whatever it is that's bothering you. Think about from their shoes. You don't have to be accurate. Yeah. Make up a story. And, and make up a story that will make you feel compassion for what it is that they're going through mm-hmm. to kind of alleviate the way it's affecting you. Yeah. And I feel like that's something, once you incorporate that, it helps you understand, you know, 
the world is a very big place. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of experiences and nothing's, nothing's directed at you. Nothing's personal. Yeah. It's released. That's something that's so hard. Yeah. Like having that compassion is you're right. It's so hard and it is a practice. It doesn't come easily for a lot of us. It seems like, you know, anger is, is kind of the natural first thing we feel and you have to kind of let that happen and then decide to have compassion for someone a lot of times at least. Um, but what I would encourage people to think about is that compassion can be releasing and release you from being stuck with that scenario instead of anger, which keeps you trapped. So, you know, you feel anger and you hold on to it and you're mad at this person and you, you, you don't ever move on from the moment you stay angry and you just continue to think about all of those awful things, you know, and I'm going to fight that person. And when we get out of our cars or whatever, and it's like, compassion can yeah. just be, Oh, I, that person was, you know, just flip, flip me off or whatever in traffic. And it's kind of, that was a dick move, but like having compassion for that person and thinking about what they may be going through and what they may be experiencing can let you move on from that moment and you're released from it and you're not holding yourself there. And it stops the cycle. Like somebody's going to have to stop the cycle. Cause if everybody just get mad, gets mad at everybody else, everybody's just going to be fighting all the time. And there's, We'll, we'll all be stuck in the same place, just fighting each other and it'll never end. But compassion is kind of what stops that cycle. It kind of releases you and maybe that other person from having to continue to stay stuck in the moment. So it's just a different way to think about it, but it helps me sometimes. It's like, do I want to keep myself stuck and trapped in this place by holding on to this feeling? Or do I want to have compassion for that person and for myself too, and just move on? So Definitely. Yeah. I'm just really glad I got a chance to talk with you and share what it is that you do with, with the community that I'm a part of. And yeah. I hope that I'm, I'm sure that somebody is going to have a lot of value out of this conversation. This has been absolutely wonderful. I hope so. It's been, it's been so great chatting with you. It's been a lot of fun. Well, thank you so much. I hope that we get to chat again sometime. Thank you so much for thinking of me. And this is, this has been great. So I, yeah, I really, thank you. And that is our episode for the week. As always, I wanted to thank you for spending some time here on the podcast listening. Uh, And I wanted to send a special thank you to Kate for spending the time and chatting with me. I hope that we can chat again on the show soon. She has so much information to share. She's such a smart individual and I have absolutely loved getting to know her and talking with her. It's been a pleasure. I can't wait for next week when you guys will hear for the first time from our co-director, Mary Rose. She is local here to Dayton, Ohio, and I'm super excited for you guys to get to know her and hear some of the incredible things that she has to say. She's such a great director here at the nonprofit, and I've loved working with her and being a good friend of hers. So I'm really excited and looking forward to the direction the podcast will be going with her on it. Make sure you are subscribed and following along on all our social media so you get all of our updates and you see what's going on as soon as it happens. We've got some great fundraisers that are in the works for the rest of the year, and we're so excited to share that with you guys. Stay tuned for next week's additions to the Wellness Library. Again, you'll find links to all of that in the description of the episode. You can also find 
all of that information on our Instagram when we link it there on the Facebook page, etc. So stay tuned, stay following along on our social media and you won't miss out. We're so excited for the things we're about to bring you and we will talk to you very soon. 